The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning and welcome to the Source of Truth podcast and thank you for joining us this morning as we take a few minutes on this Thursday uh, to look into the Word of God. I want to thank you again for taking time out of your day, whether right here at 11 o'clock or at a different time, and just spending some time in the Word of God with us, and we're so glad you're with us today. Well, today and tomorrow, we're going to be winding down our study as we've been going through living the dream and the life of Joseph. And uh, so we're going to wind down just two more devotionals today and tomorrow. And starting Monday, we'll be in a new passage. We'll tell you tomorrow one more what we're going to be doing with that. And uh, so thank you so much for joining us through this series as we've done 40, you know, over 40 some episodes dealing specifically with this. I have enjoyed it. I've learned a lot, been encouraged, and I hope you have been as well. And so I hope you are as well as we finish the last couple episodes are here. So let's go ahead. We're going to actually be in Genesis 48. Um, and we're going to kind of go through and just culminate a couple things here in one interesting point. Today we're going to look at the idea. We've often said that God works very differently than we would. God often works differently than culture does. And we're going to see that uh, spelled out right here in the life of J- J- Jacob and the life of Joseph. Um, the verses prior that we would have read, the end of chapter 47, Jacob's talking to Joseph and said he's remembering the promise of God and said, just make one promise to me. Promise me that you will bury me in the land of my father, in the land of Canaan. Take me back to the promise and bury me there. And Jacob, it often, he, he stated, as we'll look at just a second, reminding God's promises to him and making a lot of the decisions. He goes, I want to be back where my family's going to be, and I know God's going to take us back to the promised land. So he really wanted to get back there, and he made Joseph promise, which you know, later ended up happening. Joseph did take him back. And so we, we come from that point, and now we move on to where Joseph begins to realize his father's coming to the end. And so we see in Genesis chapter 48, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry about that. Genesis 48 verse 1, it came to pass after these things that one told Joseph, behold, thy father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. And one told jo- uh, Jacob and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee, and Israel strengthened himself and sat upon the bed. And Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me, and said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful, multiply thee, and I will make of thee a uh, multiple, multiple, multitude of people, and I will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. And now thy two sons Ephraim and Manasseh, which were born unto thee in the land of Egypt before I came unto thee in Egypt, are mine as Reuben and Simeon, they shall be mine. And thy issue, which thou begattest after them, shall be thine, and shall be called after the name of their brethren in their inheritance. And as for me, when I came down from Padan, Rachel died by me in the land of Canaan, in the way, when yet there was yet but a little way to come into Ephraim. Ephrath, 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 and I buried her there in the way of Ephrath, the same is Bethlehem. And Israel beheld Joseph's son and said, Who are these? And Joseph said unto his father, They are my sons whom God hath given me in this place. He said, Bring them, I pray thee, unto me, and I will bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim for the age that he could not see, and he brought them near to him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said unto Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face, and though God has shown me thee also thy seed. Joseph brought them out from the, uh, between his knees and bowed himself with his hand to the, to the earth. And Joseph took them before both Ephraim and his right hand 
toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near to him. Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hand wittingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, God, of whom my father Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my life long unto this day. The angel redeemed me from all evil, blessed the lads, and let my name be named on them, and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow in the multitude in the midst of the earth. And when Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand upon his head of Ephraim, it displeased him. And he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head and to Manasseh, Manasseh's head. So what we see here, what's going on, is it starts off with um, Jacob wanted to make some clarifications. He talks about the fact that he really thought he'd never see Joseph again, and now he's able to be in the presence of his sons. And please remember uh, what we call the patriarch of these families would hand down blessings. And, and the long-term ancestral um, belongings and material possessions of these people came from the patriarch. And so ultimately down the road, you're going to see that member Joseph uh, in, in the beginning, or Joshua, in the beginning of Joshua, said, only be those strong and very courageous. One of the things that Joshua had to do was he had to divide the land up to all of the ancestors. And so one of the things they'd go back to is things like this. They'd go back to when Jacob gave, uh, broke down the different possessions to the different children, and then they had to prove their connection back to one of the, well, technically it's 13 men that would have been the heads of these different tribes. And so they kind of, you know, you put together Joseph's really, here's what happens unique under Joseph. You've got Simeon and Reuben. He says, listen, your sons will be to me like Simeon and Reuben. Now, please remember, Simeon and Reuben were Joseph's brothers, which would have been Ephraim and Manasseh's uncles. And Jacob said, no, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to treat your sons no differently than my sons. And this is not necessarily done and figuratively. This is in possession. Um, this is in land ownership and things of that nature. And he says, I'm going to give them ownership of land. I'm going to treat them not like my grandchildren, but like my sons. They will be the head of tribes in Israel and in my, in my, in my ancestry because God has blessed me. God has said, I will make a great nation. And so what he ended up doing through that is doubled the inheritance that went to Joseph. Doubled it by giving him two under his ancestral, unlike one from the other brothers. So we begin to see, kind of going back to where it started, where Joseph... Uh, had been blessed again by, even though he was the youngest, and, and, and we kind of see the favorite coming out, and for obvious reasons at this point. But then we move on to the next section, and it's an interesting premise here. So uh, Jacob gets done explaining that he's going to make, you know, Ephraim and Manasseh their own tribes, and, and he's going to, you know, it's going to change a little bit how he does things. Um, then it comes to, he wants to bless the two grandsons, what would be the two sons. And so they bring out Ephraim and Manasseh, and uh, it's, Joseph sets him up to make sure that Jacob's right hand, because he really couldn't see well, would go on the oldest son, which is always the hand of blessing, the right hand, and then the left hand would go on the younger son. Well, the moment they got ready, a Jacob realized what was going on, and he swapped hands, putting the right hand, the hand of blessing, upon the younger son, and began to pronounce the blessing. Well, you know, you got to think about all that had gone through. Jacob wasn't, you know, earlier when he did this, he went to his father Isaac, and he deceived Isaac into the blessing, and so. There's been a lot of kind of deception throughout time, but yet that's not what was happening here. Jake, Jacob is giving a blessing and simply looks down and says, I, you know, and jo Joseph gets upset. I'm sorry, let me skip this. Joseph gets upset and he says, Father, listen, you're, you're, you have, you're blessing the wrong son. You need to have the right hand on the older one. That's the one. And Jacob looks and goes, listen, I fully understand which one is the older and which one is the younger one. And I know what I'm doing. God has led and I'm doing this. And, and frankly, your younger son's going to be the greater of the two. 
Now, it's interesting because that went against culture. First of all, it went against culture because these two boys were not born in Canaan. Uh, they were born of actually Egyptian blood because Joseph's wife was Egyptian. And so one of the things uniquely you see, and you can see it starting back um, in Joseph's day when Israel started, and it rolls into a trait principle today. Jo Jacob didn't make decisions based upon the look of the people and the color of the other children. He didn't make decisions on is it purely both, you know, King, uh, Israeli, because no, they weren't. They would have looked a little differently because they would have been sons of an Egyptian mother. And yet he said, that doesn't matter. I'm going to the name. You are Joseph's son. That name, that inheritance follows through. And you know, we, as much as I fully believe we are not, the church is not Israel brought through in the New Testament. There are some great, amazing principles you can get from the Old Testament. Here's a, to me a simple application. God doesn't give inheritance and blessing and promise to our, his people, to us, to the church. He doesn't do it based upon our upbringing. He doesn't do it based upon, well, you grew up in a pastor's home or you grew up in church, or you grew up in a deacon's home, you did this. You know, he, he does it because of the name that we carry. And what is that name? The name of Jesus. We carry the name Christian. And if you're truly saved and truly a Christian, you are carried, you, you get the inheritance that comes with it. And God, again, reminds us, it's so needed in this culture to understand today, God reminds us, I'm not too concerned about the look. I've created all of you. None of that, none of that matters to me. I've created beauty in this. He comes down to the name. And the most important thing for us is not the human lineage we can have. The question comes down to spiritual lineage. Where are we? Have we placed our trust in God? And, and if we've done in Jesus Christ, and if we've done that, our lineage changed. We're adopted in Jesus' name, and our name changes to Christian, to a follower of Jesus. And that's an interesting how he went off of just, just because the connection to Joseph. But then he goes and he blesses. And this is where you get to see J J um, Jacob working a little different than culture. Because culture would have dictated, especially in Israeli culture, would have dictated Jewish culture, that the older brother would have got the blessing. You went back and Esau should have gotten it and Jacob deceived him. Um, when Jacob got married, it would have been the older daughter who should have been married first. So he got Leah first. And so we, we begin to see in it intrigued that this is not abnormal because you can go back to Isaac and then Jacob because Isaac wasn't technically the firstborn. You go to Jacob, he wasn't the firstborn. And what you end up seeing, and Joseph got frustrated. He said, this is wrong. You shouldn't do this. And yet Jacob, you know, you'd almost sit back and think jo Joseph would have been the first one to jump on this. His grandfather and his father were not the firstborn. And all of the blessing that had been stowed upon him before he went off into slavery and after, all the way he was treated, all the way till he was 17 by his father, receiving the blessing, being considered the number, the head of the household really in all reality, and he was the youngest of the brothers at that time. So if anybody who would not really make a big deal about age, it would have been Joseph. And so it was intriguing that Joseph would jump real quickly to make, to make sure, Dad, I think you messed up. I think you did this. And, and yet Jacob did exactly what he was supposed to do. He knew what he was going to do. A couple quick principles, and we'll be done here in a second. But one of the things I find interesting when I look at this is, first of all, uh, you know, while Jacob is not God, we see a level of a picture that Jacob did something God led him to do that was different, ended up being true, and it was different. And what we see sometimes is when things happen, we say, well, I don't think you're doing it right. I don't think you're doing it right. Joseph was quick to jump, which was strange because most of his lineage did the exact opposite of culture in this area. And so many times when God does certain things, we stop, we get frustrated, does it make sense? And we have to look back and say, God is rarely going to work 
the way we think we, he should or the way culture thinks he should. Here, here's one of the reasons I see it. One of the things I see is that a lot of times we look at culture and, we have, and it's human culture, it's human thinking, it's human mindset, and we forget that God is not limited and or influenced by human mindset or human culture. Just the opposite. Uh, as we live in Christians, we will live counterculture. We will live opposite to those beliefs. We will live opposite because not necessarily to be weird or crazy or anti you know, what's going on. What I mean, I mean is when it comes to morality, when it comes to right and wrong, excuse me, when you follow Jesus, when you follow right and wrong, when you follow the word of God, when you do this, as the more the world gets away from God, as it is right now, the more you will become counterculture. Because the culture is anti-God and anti-morality and pro-sin and pro all, all the things that God hates and all the things that we know are wrong and are damaging to families and damaging to marriages and damaging to people and damaging to our culture. That is what is pushed and is glorified through po politics and through media and all of that today. And if we're going to stand for biblical values, we are going to be counterculture. You can't stand on the word of God and fill it, fit into where God has us, where, where the culture is today, I'm sorry. Now, please understand, I don't think we need to be harsh or mean or cruel. I think sometimes we draw undue attention to ourselves in the wrong way through hatred. But if we stand right and lovingly, we are still going to stand counterculture. So we, we, it's not abnormal. We, we see that God that happens, that works with God, and that's okay. As long as you're walking with God, His is what we should be establishing, following His culture, not our own. But then sometimes when things don't make sense, we become frustrated. So we go back to the trusting the sovereignty of God. And we, through this, that's one of the things that rolls through this entire story, that God promised something to Joseph at 17 that he is constantly fulfilling. And we see again the sovereignty of God. This helps us in all the other areas, not only sovereignty of God, but his personal love for us. His way is rarely what we think. It, let me just say, I've said this probably several times in this study of Joseph, and I think it to be so true. Aren't you glad that his ways are different than yours? Here, here's my thinking behind it. When I look at my ways, I, I, I would make decisions emotionally. I would make decisions often irrationally from my human emotional state. Uh, we often can make them out of anger, can't we? And aren't you glad that God is not, just does not make decisions irrationally or emotionally or out of frustration? God makes the right decision. And as humans, sometimes we often don't, and God is going, I'm going to make the right decision. Aren't you glad he does? Aren't you glad that God's ways are always right? And when it's all said and done, man, yeah, I'm glad. I know my weaknesses. I know my, my tendencies to failure. I know all those things that make us human. I am so glad that God does not limit himself to my thinking because the world will be a much different place. I'm glad that he stays in the sovereign realm and works what he knows he best because he knows the future and he knows all the good. And may we place our trust in him for that. And I hope that that's a great reminder and encouragement that whatever's going on that doesn't make sense right now, God sees the end. And uh, he'll either comfort us through it or guide it in a way that honors and glorifies him. And may we just continue to put our trust in him in that area. Thank you so much for joining us on this Thursday edition. We hope that was an encouragement as we continue looking God's word. Tomorrow, we'll finish out our study through the story of Joseph and the account of Joseph. And I hope it's been encouragement. We'll finish tomorrow. Monday, we'll start in a new book. We'll explain those details tomorrow. And we look forward to continuing in the Search of Truth podcast as we walk through in a daily devotional through the word of God. We hope you have a great rest of your day. We look forward to seeing you tomorrow.